New Amsterdam Radio starts now. Hello, everyone. It's Flobo Boys here, the mayor of this city of creatives. You know, one of the things I like about this show is being able to sit with other creatives who are deciding to do the thing. But my guest on today's episode is someone that decided to do the thing and is excelling at it. Uh, DJ Profit, CEO of TWK Events, uh, is a DJ and MC business out of the tri-state area of New York City. Uh, so that's the New Jersey area, the Connecticut area, for those of the you are the uninitiated. Has done so much with his brand and his philosophy and his upbringing. It was cool to sit with him to see his outlook on things, outlooks on his business, and the business moving forward in the wake of the great pandemic of 2020. Uh, before I get into the interview, I just want to say thank you so much for supporting the show. And as Two ways you can do that, just a step further. You can become a Patreon subscriber, a member of the Boisterous Crew, as I like to call it, by hitting up patreon.com slash flowboboys. Uh, get exclusive access to content such as this, like interviews on New Amsterdam Radio and bonus behind-the-scenes footage. Also, if you want to buy yourself a mug or a mask or a t-shirt, it's flowbeatso.threadless.com. We have some cool designs over there on the website. Make sure you hit that up, flowbeatso.threadless.com. Buy yourself a t-shirt and support the arts. And now, without any further ado, this is the CEO of TWK Events, DJ Profit. Hello everyone, Flobo Boys here, and this is New Amsterdam Radio, the New Amsterdam Session, the podcast for creatives. And I have myself a very special guest because a lot of times our viewers are on the start of their entrepreneurial journey and they're trying to make that jump. But my guest has been doing it for over two decades. Please welcome TWK CEO Jose. How's it going, sir? What's going on, Flobo? Thank you DJ very much Prop for having me, house, man. man. Yeah, no, it's yes. a pleasure. It's a pleasure, man. Pleasure is mine. I, I am, pleasure is mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm so like proud that we see so many people like making the jump to being an entrepreneur. But you also, as a person of color, has done it for two decades. I mean, talk to me about that. That must be a crazy milestone. Yes, yes. Thank you, man. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty much. You know, started off uh, uh, in music. A couple of decades ago, actually three decades, I'm scared to say how long, but it's been a while. <laughs> and, um, you know, what? no matter what, no matter what I did, no matter what I was in as far as school or or having fun going out, hanging out with the fellas, something, always had something to do with music. Yeah. So, um, long story short, I was fortunate enough to have music in me from, from birth, a son of uh, Puerto Rican parents, so a lot of salsa. A lot of stuff yeah. that I thought back in the day was old, right? For old people. <laughs> yeah. And from there on, just pretty much got into the hip hop scene. Uh, when I was a teen, Hollis Queens is known for his hip hop, obviously. And okay. um, a couple of friends of mine ended up uh, going to a club called the Copacabana in New York City. Yeah. I went with yeah. them with my brother's uh, ID, which back in the day we didn't have a picture on it. So I got in with my brother's ID and my life changed pretty much. I got into Spanish music. And I, uh, from that point on, just just knew that uh, music was was within me. To to make a long story short, and um, here I am today, uh, X amount of years later, with the uh, 
with what I always thought was impossible, right? You never thought you'd work for yourself. Um, never, I never envisioned myself to be where I am now. It's, it, was, it was more of a hobby that turned into a career. Yeah, you, you mentioned that you represent Forest Hill, sorry, Hollis Queens, excuse me. Hollis yeah. Queens, I'm a Brooklyn guy myself, and, and right. you know, your parents are from a very musical, rich like country as Puerto Rico, or Commonwealth as Puerto Rico. Like, How did that influence your approach to music? So look, everyone, a lot of people love salsa, but it takes a lot to like it, interpret it, and to find a way to mix and match that for new clients. Right. Um, yeah, music is, is, is uh, a way of life, to say, uh, to say the, uh, the least, for a Puerto Rican. I was born in Hollis, Queens. I was literally born in, in uh, Jamaica Hospital. So oh, I'm, wow. part, I, I'm part Jamaican, I tell everybody. <laughs> I don't yeah, but, I remember uh, growing up, passing by, seeing that hospital, man. It was majestic. And it's still there. That's the funny thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean... It, it, it was it was a, it played a big role in, in, in my life. Um, my uh, I grew up actually in church. I was my father was Pentecost. I was the youngest of four. My sisters were into that soul era, and like I said, I was into that hip hop era. Uh, my parents were strong in their Latin roots as far as the music they listened to. A lot of plena, a lot of um, traditional Puerto Rican music, but for the most part, the party stuff was salsa in our household right. and. It was pretty cool because I got to learn about it, although I didn't like it when I first grew up. I was strictly hip-hop, house music, uh, freestyle, TK, Judy Torres type of stuff um, when I was a teen. But eventually, when I, when I <laughs> found out who I really was, whether I liked it or not, my father made sure I knew my, my Latino culture. I was able yeah. to cultivate that into the stuff that I did. So today, here I am pretty much mashing up. I can do an all-American, all-English party just as well as I can a sure. uh, Spanish party, but it's good, especially in this area of New Jersey, New York, PA, we have a big diversity in, in, in people. It's a melting pot, right? It's, it's, uh, we're not in Mississippi or, or Alabama. We have a melting pot of people here. And yeah. growing up the way I grew up, you know, my neighborhood at first was Italian-Irish. A lot of people didn't know that Hollis Queens was Italian-Irish at first, although I was really, really young. Uh, during that time, I did meet some friends who are Italian-Irish, so this day we're still good friends. So I learned their music, learned my parents' music, and me and the hip-hop scene pretty much mashed together, and that's what we do today, pretty much. For Yeah, that's very similar to growing up. Like, when my parents moved to Flatlands in Brooklyn, it was it was Italian-Irish, and, and they were really the first Caribbean family that was there, and over time it, it shifted uh, to right. Caribbean in the 80s and 90s, and I think now it's shifting to more South Asians, Pakistani Americans, Indian Americans. It's kind of cool how New York has always been diverse, but it, it keeps like morphing and changing, and different flavors get involved right. and stuff. Right, uh, specifically Brooklyn. I mean, you're from Brooklyn. Oh, That's exactly where Brooklyn is now. Yeah, even parts of it, man. I walk in there, I'm like, I don't know what a quinoa is, but there's so many quinoa restaurants, man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's That's right. Uh, but speaking of food, man, your brand, it's called The Wedding Kitchen. I need to know why yeah. you decided to go with that that, that <laughs> name because it just it sticks with you. You're like, The Wedding Kitchen? Are you like making right. weddings? Like, what does that mean, man? You wouldn't be the first who said that. So uh, <laughs> I, 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 I used to get upset when I used to hear that many years ago. Now I, I take it away. So, you know, it's actually our trademark makes us different from everybody else, you know, silver, gold, platinum, diamond, you know, that was something that I didn't want to be, uh, to be part of. I wanted it to be different. And the story behind it was my mother pretty much gave us 
her hidden savings that she had hidden from my father back in the 90s to start our company. So when we started our company, it was mainly, um, you know, like I said, music, Latin music. But I wanted to honor my mom, in a, uh, long story short. So we called, the actual business is called Margarita's Kitchen, Inc. So okay. in our house, like uh, many Puerto Rican homes, uh, uh, Mary, uh, 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 many New York Rican homes, it wasn't come home, sit down, have a cup of hot cocoa, watch some TV. It was always stuff going on. It was hectic. A lot of my father was a very macho kind of guy. So yeah. his, his word was, was, was final. So I, I don't want to say it was a, a turbulent uh, uh, upbringing, but it was definitely a lot of flavor. But in the kitchen, in my home, in Hollis, the kitchen was always the safe zone. It was uh, the safe room. Mm -hmm. It was where we sat down, where we ate, where my mom was always in the best of moods, and where I was in the best moods, where we all ate and, and, and hung out. It was pretty much safe, uh, the, the safe zone of the home and the quiet place where, not quiet, but the safe place. Yeah. So when we were looking for a name we, and wanted to honor my mom, we called it Margarita's Kitchen, Inc. So okay. when I first had the game back uh, in the day, I was called the Music Kitchen, and simply because it was part of the corporate name. And I was a DJ, so that's what I called it. Then when I met my wife in 02, uh, she's a photographer as well, and we got married, we decided to join our forces. She said, we can't call this the music kitchen because I don't, I'm not a DJ, I'm a photographer. And I said, ah, oh, reluctantly, I said, well, I you on the call. I don't wanna give it to the kitchen because it's kind of honoring my mom. Yeah. She said, well, let's call it something else. We mostly do weddings. What about the wedding kitchen? I said, the wedding kitchen sounds good. And there, there you go. Yeah, it, it's funny how like it, the most quirky things are what makes people stick out. Like when I DJ yeah. at a wedding event, I go by DJ Flopito. So the question I get a lot is, do you speak Spanish? And I studied abroad a semester, but like to me, my first car, I called it Flopito because I'm Flovo. So it's like I treated it as right. if it was my own child. And therefore, gotcha. I will treat your wedding the same thing. That's a cool story because I think a lot of people get hung up on, on, on trying to have a branded vibe. But if you are authentic to yourself and it shows that you lead to quality work. I mean, 20 years in the game, I mean, that just tells you right there that you are just excelling at what you're doing. And uh, when yeah. you have clients and they are and they, they are your, your bride or your grooms, what do they usually say about you after the fact? Like what gets to be like repeated phrases in your reviews after a wedding? Well, you know... Uh... It's 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 cool. Of course, we get the um, the uh, fabulous, wow, amazing, which is great. Um, but yeah. my my biggest compliment is when the bride and groom feels like they're family, right? Our business was built on family. Our business was built on trusting family, and it's still a family-run business. So yeah. when I hear a client say that we treated them like family, that they felt comfortable, that we they were able to relay their vision and we were able to take and run with it that to me is like the biggest the biggest compliment yeah so yeah yeah i was actually reading some of your reviews here and uh this mm -hmm. one here is from one of your past clients and i'm going to be a little bit abridged here but twk event the wedding kitchen customer experience was awesome it was an absolute pleasure to work with everyone uh and they were key in making our day per day perfect uh there's a there's doing the thing I mean, you are, I assume, a DJ and MC. 
Uh, but the customer service thing is, has to be an important element. So what's your approach to, to dealing with your clients and making sure they don't have to worry about too much if they book you? Well, again, goes back to, to, to the way I was brought up, my, my life experiences. I was able to live the hood life. I went to John Jay College, so I was able to live the blue collar life. I was a paralegal by trade, so I was able to kind of live the white collar life, if you want to call it that. And sure. I was able to incorporate that with dealing with my clients. I never did business school, so I, I was never um, taught customer service. I was taught, you know, like I said, John Jay College, New York Paralegal School, and yeah. uh, uh, street education. What I did was, I kind of thought I have children and I have a daughter, and we all know that weddings are mainly wrapped around women, right? Guys are there for, uh, <laughs> we're pretty much almost standings. But, but when time to start, I'll be there. <laughs> right, right. We rent the tuxedos, the brides buy the dress. We, right. you know, we, we, we tell people to come, the brides, they invite the people. So right. in, in short, I, I kind of tried to think of, how well first was trial and error when i first opened i was I, and I, i'm still not perfect right but i i've learned that if i try to treat uh the brides and the grooms mainly the brides like i would want somebody to treat my daughter mm -hmm. it kind of comes a little easier for me so i pretty much listen try not to talk too much um see what they're envisioning uh, get a feel of, of 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 the groom uh and the families and try to uh, envision that sometimes they don't even know what they want. So I try yeah. to envision it for them along with, you know, along with what they're, they're telling me, what I think would work, what I know has worked in the past, present to them my ideas and you know, pretty much take it off from there. But pretty much listening and um, just picking up on little cues is, is the key. Right. That's that's a pro tip. That's good for life to making sure you are listening. Your clients are being heard. Uh, right. You had mentioned that that your family was a very unique dynamic, a little bit of high energy, but I'm sure that they put some values and part of some values you passed on to your business. And then one of the yes. cool things I realized with my own my own mom. I mean, she's a person of faith. My mom is Pentecostal as right. well. It does have a different kind of perspective. I just want to see like how was your upbringing relating to your business. Um. My upbringing was pretty much black and white, I would say. It was okay. either you were in my father's favor or you wasn't. As I've said previously, he was pretty much the, uh, the authoritarian in our home. So, yeah. he, and he was also a, pa a Pentecostal pastor at one point. So pretty strict. He was, uh, like I said, pretty much black and white. This is right, this is wrong, there's not much in between. The biggest thing I would say that I took from my dad um, another another man who's definitely nowhere near perfect, but he definitely instilled things uh, in me back then, whether it was through a counsel or straight up fear. Either way is implanted in me, and it was to work hard for what I for what I have. Very rarely do I ask for rarely. I've never asked for a handout. I I pretty much funded everything after my mom uh, contributed her. $800 from her savings, uh, hitting money from my dad to start things up, to incorporate and whatnot. But ever since then, I never was into getting loans. My father was also an entrepreneur. He was a, a printer as well back in the day, had his own shop. Never really was into taking loans from the bank or anything like that. It was pretty much, if you can't afford to do it on your own, don't do it. 
stay small, work hard for what you for what you want, and and uh, pretty much try try to keep the trust in in family. So yeah. in a nutshell, keeping a, a close circle of of positive individuals, and yeah, pretty much just instilling that hard work ethic to uh, today's uh, uh, world. Was it a, a hard conversation or discussion when you decided to be an entrepreneur, but in entertainment? Kind of like on the surface, seeing the opposite of modesty, if I can be so bold. Yeah, it, it was it was it was it was a little bit of a challenge um, when I and uh, you know I got a lot of resistance too. I mean, like I said, I was uh, growing up to be an attorney. That, that was my thing. So yeah. um, I, I didn't like the politics about it. Um, as as life went on, I saw that I was less interested in it, and I always had music in me. What happened was I was working for a firm uh, in Newark, New Jersey. I ended up moving out to Newark, New Jersey. Um, and I was working at a firm over there. And I really saw that uh, there was a ceiling. If for me to make $35,000, $40,000 back then, I mean, I had to do 80 hours a, a, a week. And mm. then, it, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. And, I mean, we, I worked with some great people, and I learned a lot from them. But I knew back then that, it wasn't something that I could I can do that I, I had to do something that I liked, and I started doing two things at once. Once I started making more money, um, and having well, I was always having a great time. But once I started being more successful in the uh, wedding uh, business, in the DJ business, because I was doing sure. mostly clubs and stuff like that at first, I then I, I resigned from the nine to five. And I stepped out, stepped out as an entrepreneur. It was very scary. I mean, no benefits, right? Um, right. It was, uh, you don't know where your next dollar is coming from. You come, when you go, especially this year, uh, 2020, you know, through, through a big curveball to entertainment business. Yeah. Right? So uh, luckily, we weren't affected as much as others in, in the sense of we're still able to make a living because people are still booking for 2021. And we're able to sustain the the uh, economic punch and and get us through uh most of the year and right now again we're back into book season so it's, it's pretty cool we're able to book and, and make uh our 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 you know our, our bookings through through deposits and retainers and and uh got some parties into the end of the year so it was pretty cool but definitely scary to be a entrepreneur at first but anything that doesn't kill you makes you stronger so. Right. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> right. But, but, but let's talk about that. 2020, no one saw the scale. I mean, when you were working for yourself, you can always say there's going to be down months, there's going to be dry months. You know, you right. work with yourself, save for the very day. This thing came out of nowhere. It seems a global pandemic. If you're listening to this in 2026 or something, uh, you know, it was a regular adjustment for everyone. All of my yes. jobs are entertainment based. I'm a comedian, I'm a DJ, I, I right. do uh, live events. Um, you said that you were. Uh, okay, but the idea, like, what went through your mind when you realized things were not going to be surmised or finished in a weekend or a week or two? Right. Um, initially, especially watching the news, being uh, being quarantined, being in, it was panic, right? So, yeah, at first I I, I panicked and I was like, wow. I think uh, I I started. I think my last wedding was March, the 22nd of March, I believe. I just got that one in, and then the very next day, everything was shut down. So it was it was a panic, like pretty much a lot of people in the industry. Um, this is my full-time job. I, I support my family with this. My wife also is, is like I said, a, 
one of the photographers here, Melanie, and and we we, we were taken back at first. Uh, luckily, we we had we had savings to count on, and uh, it wasn't as bad as as being on the stock market in the Great Depression. You know, <laughs> we 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 had some reserves, and we it took us about a week or two to realize that it, it wasn't going to open up anytime soon. So what do we do? So pretty much just we, I knew if I was feeling like that, our couples, brides and grooms were going to feel three or four times, uh, you know, it was going to be elevated the way they felt. So I, I made a commitment to myself to, even though I was panicked, not to show it. Yeah. Uh, reach out to all my clients throughout the whole year. Let them know that we were here. If they had any questions, they can reach out to us. And just pretty much try to give them comfort. And just open up a, a, a dialect with them. And believe it or not, they, they gave me comfort as well. They trusted in my in, in, in what I thought. I, I, I advise everybody start looking to do something later this year. Um, giving them uh, options for a B plan. But ultimately, yeah. I can tell you, the, the, what really got me... What what made me relax and say, hey, this is gonna, this is all gonna be over soon, was was my faith. Like I said, I'm 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 Christian. You know, I opened up my Bible, read a little bit, did some meditation, yeah. and you know, I, I I just listened to myself, listened to my inner spirit, and say, hey, you're gonna be all right. And yeah. I, I, listen, God's never forsaken me, and I, I and I know He never will. So yeah. I was able to hold on to that, get some strength out of my faith, and move forward and honestly it, that lasted I, I was panic mode for uh, two three four weeks and then uh that revelation and said hey everything's gonna be okay started moving forward i started getting calls from um couples are doing something in 2021 so i realized that the wedding business was going to be you know it, it was going to continue thriving and and that it wasn't going to take a backseat to anything and here we are today everybody's Right now, you know, thank God the phone's ringing every single week, and I am in that unique niche where I can do uh, English, but of course bilingual, and I, I can reach a, a different uh, group of people in New Jersey besides just the uh, the regular English uh, weddings. I can do multiple um, langu language weddings, and hey, I'm getting my phone is ringing. So right. at the end of the day, it worked out, and I'm you know I'm happy. So. What about yourself, man? How was it for you? Oh man, I'm I'm, I'm glad you asked. So my first, because uh, California opened. I live in Los Angeles now. Proper. Uh, they they locked down a little bit earlier than New York. Because I know when I locked down, my my mom and my dad were like, "What's that?" <laughs> Over there in Brooklyn. So I did gotcha. my last wedding March seventh, and I went to Florida for a comedy show. I was doing stand up. Uh, that Thursday, and Thursday was the day everything shut down. The NBA walked off the court, and it was yeah. a big, serious thing. That flight home was kind of scary, and then it was it was scary for a while. Much like yourself, I had uh, cash retained from right. events in the future, but then it became the song and dance of like, well, this can't go on forever because then you'll have a log jam for 2021. So it was right. it was weird for a while. You know, I, I my, my dad is very by the numbers. He was always kind of like, well, quit that, do something else. But I was like, right. no, my heart is here. My mom doesn't quite understand entertainment as live because in the Pentecostal faith, they learn to be modest, you know? So she right. was kind of like, 
I don't know what to tell you, but read your Bible every day and, uh, you know, you can find uh, the, the right side of things. So it's trickling in for me and hopefully it gets to stay there more. But yeah, it was kind of scary because I'm not sure how you took it. But when the world said, hey, everything you do to make your living is now non-essential, it hurt. Right. <laughs> it, it hurt for a bit, you know. Like, right. 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 Did back. They threw us a bone, right? They gave us some money to get by for a little while. Yeah. But then that, that, that was over six weeks later. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hear totally, you. I, I totally get it. But you said, and you mentioned in your response that you do both English and Spanish weddings and uh, about the, the intricacies and differences of those kind of formats, especially in regions. Because I know in California, it's different for a bilingual wedding. But how was it in, in the New Jersey area for you and your, your company? Um. Latinos and uh, uh, Latino Americans and and English Americans, you know, uh, Native Americans, not Native Americans, but non-Latino Americans, they're very different in the sense of the actual wedding day. The differences between one and the other is night and day. Like I said, I've done numerous non-Latino events, and you know, they work out great. And 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 it it actually is a little more hate to say it, organized in the sense cocktails at five, everybody's there at five o'clock. Uh, receptions at six, everybody's mm -hmm. there at six o'clock. So uh, people understand the value of time in the United States of America. But the Latino American is very different. Our cultures are different. And yeah. unfortunately, five o'clock means 5.30 for a <laughs> Latino Six o'clock means 6.30 and dragging your feet in at 6.30. So th th that's a big difference. The Latino events are generally more festive because uh, back in our islands, it's pretty much a, and, and there's a reason why people get, uh, Latinos are known for being late. In our island, I'm from Puerto Rico. So in Puerto Rico and a lot of the islands, Dominican Republic, Cuba, um, I know those are just, just a handful of, of, of the ones that do pretty much the same. A wedding is a, a all day thing. So 12 o'clock noon, in other words, and it's usually held at, at a relative's um, home or your home, whoever has the biggest home in the, uh, in the family. And doors open at 12, and you bring whoever you want to come, uh, whoever, you, whoever you want to bring, whoever you want to come, uh, comes. They bring food for their party and a few other people, and that's how the family does. So they're coming in from 12 o'clock in the afternoon, to, you know, and they'll not leave until like 2 in the morning. So... Yeah. Our cultures are, are based with the way we bless our, our hosts is by bringing food and more people. So the difference between that and the American wedding is the American wedding is anticipating that envelope, right, for each individual right. that they invite. So those are, you know, and again, 20, 20 25 years later, especially for the Puerto Rican, the, uh, the um, more of the, of the, uh, first Latinos to be in the tri-state area, we already got that wedding um, etiquette. We understand, hey, I'm, yeah. my invite to me plus one is going to be me plus one, not me plus one, two, three. <laughs> right? right. Yeah. And we bring an envelope appropriate for the amount of people that we're bringing. So, but it wasn't always like that. Uh, 20 years ago, it was, it was funny. You know, you can see the difference. And a lot of times my wedding is, like, uh, and it's not two couples, uh, it's not that the couples both are Latino. A lot of times is a Latino and non-Latino, right? Right, yeah. So then, then that changes the entire 
uh, that changes the whole the, the, the entire ball game. So right. it is my job as an entertainer, DJ and MC, to bring that room together. Right. So we have uh, one side of the room who is more uh, who who understands uh, who who's been invited to more weddings, maybe, or who knows more a little bit more about the American etiquette. Uh, of a wedding and then we have the other room who's not you know who's, who's still used to doing it back at home in, in their yeah. countries or in their or, or in their uh, uh, little island and the object uh, my objective is to get them both together and sure. how do I do that is a couple of different things you know psychology is a psychology game try to read people's um, uh, body language listen to you know look see what people are enjoying and, and just try to Try to blend them. The last thing that you want to do is separate the room, right? Mm-hmm. Just because I know some people, oh, well, this side of the room is Italian, this side of the room is Colombian. So I'm going to play Spanish music at first because, you know, the clowns are going to get up. They're easy to get to dance, and then you're going to alienate the Italians or the non-Latinos. That's, that's definitely not what you want to do, right? That's, what not, that's not what we do. Right. Bringing them together is, is, is playing neutral music, getting to uh, 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 having them concentrate on the bride and groom. So that they're the focus of, of of the event, and eventually, after a couple of drinks, some good, couple of good jokes, some good music, everybody's on the dance floor jamming out. Yeah, I hear that that wedding DJs have like a harder job in some aspects. You have to like know almost every genre at once, right? right. If, if you're in a wedding and you may have a different culture, different time period, a different age group, and someone's like, "Play that dope song from this artist in this genre." You have to think not only about that song, but like two songs that go with it, you know? Like, right. so I, I got to ask you that, that cliche question, man. What has been the oddest request you've ever received and you still made work at a wedding? Um, the oddest request. Uh, the oddest, the weirdest thing that I ever got was, was somebody asking to play the chicken dance. Oh no. <laughs> oh no! I hate to, I hate to say it. I I, I didn't have it, and 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 I hate to. I don't think I would have played it if I if I did have yeah, it. Yeah, don't right? hate to don't hate to say that. Yeah, <laughs> um, that, that's cool. I don't really get a lot of a lot of that. Um, I, I I used to, but in the last ten or fifteen years, I don't get too much of that. Uh, simply because I I give all my clients an online party planner. They're able to select songs prior to the wedding. So they get, I think, 20 must-play songs, 15 play-if-you-can songs, five custom songs, and have a do-not playlist. So yeah. in, my, in my conversation with, with, our, with our brides and grooms um, in the booking process, I let them know my style, um, what I do, what I don't do, what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not comfortable with. I, I believe that you, uh, there, there is a, a foot or a shoe for every foot. Or back of yeah. whatever the state is, right? Yeah. There, there definitely is a shoe for every foot, and I, I am I am very versatile. But there are certain things that I don't I don't like to make a wedding feel cheesy. I don't like sure. weddings to be uh, bar bar misferish, where it's just full of lights and 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 action and and no uh, nothing good behind the mic or the turntable. So pretty much with the online party plan, our clients are able to pick music and uh, give me a good uh, idea of what they like. So from their must plays, I try to get them all in. And I know if they like A, they're gonna like B, and if, you know, so forth and so on. And, and, and I mix what I know works at, at, uh, at, at weddings along to what they like. And it's, it, right. it, it's, it's, it's funny because at a club, it's totally different. When I work at clubs, people come to hear me 
I can play whatever I like. I'm not taking requests, right? It's just, hey, you listen. You know what I'm. You know what I'm about. I'm playing. I'm getting down, and and you're gonna party at a wedding. It's very different. It's not a club. A wedding obviously has a lot, uh, a lot of formalities, a lot of uh, a, a lot of structure. You have, you're you're working for the for the bride and groom. They're not there to hear you. They hired you, so yeah. you have to get what they want in. And at the same time, uh, they hired us for a reason. So we want to incorporate what we know works with their with their song selections. One of my DJs though in our company hates uh, <laughs> Despacito to this day. Right? <laughs> okay. I mean, so, I didn't hit it at first. I hit it now, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Well, yeah. he was like, uh, I don't know Despacito. He was anti-Despacito. And of course, it was the biggest hit. And uh, Latinos and non-Latinos were requesting it. It was almost like suavemente. That's like everybody's right. go-to thing. Yeah. You know, they, they don't have to be Latinos. Like, oh, we... Suavemente, you got suavemente. Oh and man, it's like, everyone knows two sonrisas way better as a song, but whatever, man. Right, right, right. <laughs> and those, none of those two are any of my go-tos ever. Yeah. But you know that that's as bad as it gets. It gets in, in, in my room, thank God. Not not too, uh, not too much worse. Uh, I got you. That's that's cool. Yeah, I, I hear those those kind of songs. Chicken Dance is definitely one of mine. It's like, oh man, I don't want to play this one, but I'll do it because it's <laughs> yeah. client first. But ugh, that's right. You know? They pay. They they they, they pay. Yeah. We play. I always chuckle when a, when a couple says, "Whatever you do, please don't play the electric slide." It's like, oh, yeah, don't worry yeah, about yeah. it. I'm not going. Like, right. No line dances. No line dances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, people ask me. I mean, I never, I never go to that. But you're right. Yeah. If a client says, "Hey, I want the cha-cha slide," or "I want the cupid shuffle," cool. You know, yeah. I haven't got a request for the electric slide in at least six or seven years on the playlist, so so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Cross the fingers, man. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Uh, so, so I, I know that you mentioned just real quick about, you know, you have a multi-op, you have other DJs that, that do work for you. And I know every right. DJ has their own style, but like as an owner, as a CEO, how do you do that balance between letting a DJ be their individual, but still having that quality control under your brand? Yeah, I believe that in order for any company to be successful, you're only going to be as good as the people that you surround yourself with. True. And you definitely hit a... a uh, you definitely uh, you said it right when there has to be a everybody should be original and I, I definitely encourage our photographers all our DJs be original that's why you're part of the team but at the same time there has to be a certain level of, of they have to be we have to be alike in some things one, one of my pet peeves is neatness right I like my, my DJs to have a facade. I like their wires to be hidden. I like everything to be taped down. I want them to get there an hour and a half before party supposed to start. I get it. Hey, you got a little setup. It only takes you half an hour. I don't care. You know, I want you there an hour and a half before. Um, so things like that. Uh, we all use the same party planner, the same format of how we do introductions, first dances, toast, blessing, a dance set then get seated uh, for, you know, for dinner and so forth and so on. So we kind of keep the same format, which is, which is crucial to us. We, uh, we share the same library. So all our salsa tracks would be, you know, 1000 salsa tracks in our libraries. Everybody has their top 15, top 20. So we kind of the same music library. So that's also a, um, a big plus. So it's pretty much similar. But just a little different in their styles and my styles, and, and every individual should have their own style. But yeah. not too much talking, get the point in, play your music, 
clean versions. I don't want to hear cursing and anything like that. I don't want to hear one in your ear, one out your nose, you know, <laughs> and, uh, just, 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 just keep it, keep it clean. Show your, yeah. show your individualism. I want everybody to show their color. And uh, at the end of the day, we're there to, uh, for one purpose and it's so that the bride and groom can come out and say, Hey, that was a great event. All our brides yeah. and grooms get an, um, all our brides and grooms get a pre-party consultation, so they'll be able to review the online party plan, or they'll be able to say, "Hey, this is I really want to focus on this," or you know, stay away from this. You know, give my give my abuelita uh, one or two plenas, uh, but you know, that's it. You know, so right, right. we get a good feel for what they want, and, and and that's how we approach every day. Yeah, you mentioned your party plan, and I know that as we get past this this pandemic on, and this this business changes all the time. I've been in it about four or five years myself and it's changed. I know besides technology, besides uh, like booking strategies, like where do you see the business going as a professional in this industry? Good question, man. I, 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 I believe things are changing as far as the booking process. Okay. Before 95% of our couples wanted to meet in person. I would too. I mean, it gets expensive. A couple of thousand for a DJ, a few thousand for, you know, for photography, you know, a couple of thousand for video. A thousand for a photo booth, you know, before you know it, it's, 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 it's up there with buying a car, right? The same, same price as, as buying a, a cheap car. Uh, but, um, it things are changing. So one of the things that I'm pretty sure is changing, uh, for the, in the future is, is how people are booking since the pandemic hit, forget there was no in person. Everything was over the phone, zoom, you know, uh, website based, uh, media based and stuff like that. So that definitely looks is going to be here to stay. I, I, I still believe that people, when they're spending good money, when they're investing in their day, that they want to see who they're investing with. Sure. Uh, so I believe some of that's going to come back, but I believe in the future going to be a lot of on phone, video chatting, um, and or a combination of both. And then um, that's how they're going to book. As far as the venues and, and, and how a wedding is going to be, uh, how it's conducted, I believe that's going to be the same. I, I, I think it's, it's, been, it's been like that for a long time. Certain things you can't change. You know, the micro weddings may work for some. Uh, but again, most of my weddings are bilingual, based Latino, either one or the other. We don't do anything micro. There's no micro in Latino. It's, it's, right. it's big or nothing, you know? Right. Get everyone invited. <laughs> right. So I, I anticipate it to be good, I believe. Um, if my, the way my phone has been ringing and the, uh, the inquiries that we got, if that's any indication of what to expect in 2021, it's pretty good. It's definitely lopsided as far as the beginning of the year, as opposed to the second half of the year. I mean, second half of the year is bananas. Uh, you, they're trying to fit a hundred weddings in, in three or four months, but, um, it looks good, man. Even 2022, we've got some bookings for 2022 in March already. I got some in April for 2022. Oh, nice. So it's a good indi- good indicator that things are going to get back to normal. God, God willing. <laughs> right. Cross our fingers. Uh, I, I want, uh, before I let you go, man, I was reading this about you, and I, I want answers. I, I need answers, right? Uh, okay. it, it says that you went to school with LL Cool J. Is that true? Yes. Yes. What? That, <laughs> Tell me about this. Like, he was, yeah, um, his name is James Todd, right? He hated anybody <laughs> to call him James Todd. We like this, yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah, so I was in junior high school with him. He yeah. came in, uh, I went to Susan B. Anthony, IS 238 in, yep. in Queens, in Jamaica. And it was from sixth to eighth grade, so it was only three years. 
he came in in the middle of our sixth grade year um, and came in with an attitude, chip on his shoulder, just moved, you know, just, just new kid on the block. And yeah, uh, he wasn't in my class. He was, he only had like one or two classes with me. So I knew him passing by. I mean, if he saw me in the street, he may give me a nod, but not, but um, yeah, he was a cool dude. You know, he came out with uh, uh, rock the bells. Mama's going to knock you out and, and all that other good stuff. And, and um, he came up in the neighborhood, you know, he's my age, he came up, he did a, uh, he was he was positive, was confident, and uh, yeah. But the funny thing about L. Cool J, my best friend, I'm not gonna mention his name, but one of my best friends <laughs> was always banging out with him. It was like didn't like him. He was kind of the same size, a bigger guy, and they were like constantly fighting. So, which was the case with him, my my a good friend of mine throughout my entire childhood. Anybody who was somebody, he fought with. Yeah. So needless to say, we didn't get the. You know, he, L, L, L Cool J, he hooked up a lot of people, Damien from Boo and stuff like that. If you were in his circle, he took care of his. I was never in his circle, right? <laughs> oh, you got to hit him up, man. <laughs> you got to get that, well, that group photo. We did, we did a, um, we did an Instagram live, um, like around, during the quarantine. We did an Instagram live. It was on with him for like a couple of minutes. We talked about school, the neighborhood about oh, my friend and stuff like that. So it was cool. I got it recorded and everything. So he still shares, shares the love. And he's cool people. Now, I'm cool with him now. But yeah. I, I wasn't in that circle that he was with. And that's okay, man. Everybody, like I said, everybody has a purpose. My father would have never allowed me to be in a circle anyway. You know, my, it was lights on in the street, get back home. Right. You know, everybody else in Hollis, lights go out, it's time to get out. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> it was cool, trippy man. though see, seeing your 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 high school schoolmate on TV every week in front of forty million yeah. people. Like, and I also that, had, like I said, Damien, Damien and Jalex, the owners of Fubu. He was he now him I know a lot more personal, uh, personally, and you know he's he's even more successful. He's in the Shark Tank. He had the Fubu yeah. line and stuff like that. Yeah, Come like back, I said, dude. I I did a lot. Of, I when I was into the hip hop thing and I was first getting into like like the club scene. New York, like New York, was the melting pot. There were a lot of famous people hanging out. You know, McDonald's in the clubs, Crazy Legs in the clubs. Um, you know, doing the hip, uh, the uh, the bebop thing, b-boy stuff. So, a lot of these people were just, you know, the average Joes. They was up, hey, what's up, Jose? You know, whatever. They grew up to be pioneers in their in their industry. You know, and and yeah. what they do. So, uh, yeah, man, it, it was pretty interesting growing up in New York City for sure. Yeah, man, that's 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 cool. That's cool to hear, man. That, that was my heart. Uh, yeah. There's one more question for a guy out of here, man. Are you Serato tractor or vinyl? I'm just curious. Serato. Okay, Serato. same here. That's what's up. Yeah, I'm Serato. <laughs> I'm Serato. I, I I have the DDJD. I just got the SD2 as well. Okay. Um. So yeah, I, I I'm a pioneer nigga, but I I did grow up with the vinyl. I did start off with the 1200, the techniques. I was never a master of it. I was never a, a, a scratch up DJ. I was always a blend DJ. Try to put three records, match beats on three. That was always my thing. Create with what already was created. Um, right. So when when the when the vinyl came over to DVDs, I mean to CDs, um, it was for me it was such a big problem. It wasn't such a big problem like it was for a lot of other DJs who say, "Oh, I will never go to CDs," and obviously later now to MP3s. Because I was always a blender. I wasn't, that wasn't a, you know, that wasn't it. It, yeah, it yeah. was always just matching beats, um, creating certain beats, looping them with, with tracks, 
and try to mix, you know, two to four songs together to create a unique sound. So that's what, you know, that's, 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 that was, uh, what, that's, that's what I do now. And it wasn't as, it was the transition wasn't as hard as, as some, I have some buddies who would never touch an MP3, you know, they'll, they're still right. with the vinyl with the crates and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I allow technology to, to, to help. I don't, I don't see technology as a bad thing. I hear you. Uh, for, I got the uh, SX2 and SC, but the thing is, man, if you don't realize that that DJ workout, it wears on you in August and September. It's like oh, those crates, bro. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, even today, even with like just the setups today are so extravagant, right? Yeah. Uh, back in the day, with a couple of lights on a on a stand, you bring a mixer and and and, and you know and a microphone and you and you go. Now there's so many. Everybody trying to outdo everybody else. The brides, yeah. uh, they want, you know, it's like a competition. You know, my cousin had this or my sister had that. I got to do better. So now it's four or five light shows, um, you know, light for a light show. DMX controlled, sparklers, dancing on the clouds. Everything is covered with lighting and LEDs. It's like, it's, it's like South Beach in, in, <laughs> in, in a 4,000 square foot room, you know? So, right. yeah, carrying and stuff like that. That is definitely a workout. You don't need to go to the gym. It is a right. workout in itself. Yeah. It, it's funny because, yeah. like, actually, ironically, I, I went to the gym last off season to get the base, <laughs> base athleticism to hold right. up, like, because I got 15 inches. I got the, uh, the, uh, the EV ZLXs. So I'm like, yo, those are like 30-pound man pajamas, you know? You yep. can't walk in there feeling sore three days after that. So yep. you know, that's yep. war stories. <laughs> Yeah, man. You know how it goes. It's 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 it's, it's tough, man. It's it's um it's part of the job, and that's a big thing. And I'm glad you touched on that. And the last note I was gonna say is a lot of that goes into our pricing, right? There's in our in our industry, there's a big hey, why are you two thousand for a four-hour reception and Beto over here is 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 five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and you know, and and in their head, they're saying for the same four-hour reception, so it's confusing and 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 when people lowball like that on industry it makes the ones who have been around a little longer and who invest in their craft and in their uh, system uh, it makes it a little bit more difficult i try to educate people all the time especially the younger guys i got a couple of young guys who grow up and they know me they heard about them and uh, i try to give them uh, you know so hey you know what should i charge well look look what you have how much experience you have Look at what the official people in the industry are charging, and what they, you know, what they're, you know, what they're charging for, and you're evaluating. You make a, you make a fair price, but that's a that's a huge thing in this industry. Like why and how or what a four-hour party, besides loading and unloading, is going to take a, for us any given night. Loading and unloading total of three hours, right? right? Plus the time that we're there, plus the time that we have to be prepared for. You're looking a a, a four-hour. Uh, Reception with the one-hour cocktail. Let's say just five hours. You're looking at an easy eight hours to nine hours just on site. Agreed. Right. So it's 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 when you start looking at it like that, then the preparing part of it. Like if you don't prepare, it's not going to be good. Right? So you have to invest time in preparing. All that stuff creates the the price point that where we're at and stuff. And and we're trying to educate people in that sense. Be smart. Don't you know? Don't gouge, but you have to you have to uh, charge according accordingly. So, yeah, I agree, and, and that's a lot of 
creative pursuits anywhere have that same issue. Like you can be very undercut because the the function is playing the music. You know, for a lot of people, DJing is playing the music, but it does things that I didn't think will cost as much money, like tape the tape down wires or that facade or you know what i mean those are things that put you at a different price point because yeah your buddy can do for 200 but does he have insurance if you blow down the venue like it's just a lot of things people don't think about when they think of the music person you know so correct yeah man so it 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 is a revolving thing but i believe it's i believe like every day there's a new dj out there a new company out there and that's okay you know they'll take the people who who want that who don't care too much about that uh, you know and 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 that's and that's fine as well we're we're specific in our target and we're satisfied with with who's calling us and and the jobs that we're booking so uh, god is good thank god yeah absolutely i just want to say thank you so much dj prof for coming on this edition of new am sam radio twk yeah, yeah. events tell the world how they can look up you online how they can book you all that great stuff Flobo man um Pretty much, if you put down a Spanish DJ, bilingual DJ, um, if you add wedding to the mix, if you add a Spanish wedding DJ or Latin wedding DJ anywhere in the tri-state, New Jersey, New York, tri-state area, we're going to pop up. Um, so uh, that's the main the main thing. Just Google bilingual wedding DJ or bilingual DJ land, and you're going to see us one way or the other. We've been there forever. So yeah. and, besides, and besides that, you know, of course, Instagram, a hashtag TWK events, DJ Profit. That's uh, that's our handle, and, and it's, it's been working, so that's where we're at. That is fantastic. Any, any final words for the faithful here? Any kind of pro tips, anything you want to share before we get out of here? Man, just, just don't give up on your dream. If this is something that you want to do seriously, then take it seriously. Treat it like it's um, – treat it like, like a doctor would uh, treat a pre-surgery and how he would act during surgery. Just – Give it 100%. Educate yourself in it. Give the client good product, and the, the rest will fall in place. That does it for me on this edition of New Amsterdam Radio. Make sure you follow the show at New Amsterdam on Instagram and at New underscore Amsterdam on Twitter. Once again, I'm Flobo Boys. You can follow me personally at Flobo Boys on Twitter and at Flobito on Instagram. Be back sooner than you think with more stories for the city of creatives. Until next time, as always, this city is yours.